0: There it is, when that crazy robot voice pops in, you know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC, (laughs) <laughs> especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or, hey, maybe you're enjoying the holiday season. Maybe you're going for a stroll with your pet. Maybe you're shopping. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely Free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com/slash dlc pod. They bring the show to you out of the generosity, the goodness, the support in their hearts. They're making this show possible, and we are grateful. In exchange, they get some cool stuff, tons of bonus content. They get ad-free episodes. They get video versions of the show on demand. And they get an entire bonus show on Wednesdays we call Paid DLC, and it features Christian Spicer, myself, and Lana Bashinsky alongside us. This last week, we had special guest Danish Syed stopping in. You never know what you're going to get on the Wednesday show, but also, it doesn't stop there. Fridays are Feeling This Fridays, where Christian Spicer and Alex Solman talk about the feelings that ga- video games conjure within them. And you also get our... Our spoiler cast, we just did the God of War Ragnarok spoiler cast. All that for supporting the show and making sure it continues. Of course, this show, the main show, DLC, is the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's in charge of recording tonight, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff. We are uh, doing it live with no net tonight, but as we were texting uh, frantically a little bit before we started, we haven't missed a week. And if this is the reason, if this all goes to crap and we miss the week, what a story. Well, And some people joke. Well, you wouldn't that, be
0: hearing this if the, well, no, no one but, would be hearing I'll, this. That's what I'm going to say. Some people,
1: some people joke that podcasting is just an excuse to hang out with your friends. And so if there's no recording that happens, I know that I'm here with two great friends and I'm going to have a good time. That's all that matters.
0: <laughs> well, I actually had a friend's weekend. I'm sure I'll talk more about it later in the show, but I had a friend's weekend this weekend. I, I I traveled from here in Colorado all the way to Palm Springs in California, hung out with my friends, and I flew in literally just like a couple of hours ago. Got it. All I wanted was, <laughs> was for things to go smoothly and easily. And then, of course... Uh, our recording software got borked and everything went crazy, and so now we're just we're 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 doing it live, as you said. But it's great. the The reason I'm I'm okay with this, the reason I know we're still going to have a fantastic show, even though you can tell my voice is a little strained. <laughs> I, I did a lot of yelling this week, and I'll explain why later. I know we're going to have a great show because we have one of our favorite guests on the show. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Canada and your downloadable Christian, but this week. <laughs> <laughs> DLC stands for direct line to Chicago because from waypoint and uh, representing the Chicago Bears right now on his, uh, on his apparel, our friend, one of our favorite people, Patrick Klepik, is back with us. Hey, Patrick, how are you?
2: I'm you know what? I just wanted to add a little chaos. Um, you know, I've got a bad team and I'm contributing to a bad recording session. And so it's like we're just, we're just, you know, like I'm s i am apologize that the, you know, three and eight Bears also then just well, they also broke the foot of Jimmy Garoppolo and then broke Zencaster. There's just a cascading effect it, as we try yeah. to have the, the highest uh, pick in the draft.
0: But you are you are gonna pull us out of this of this rut. I, I can tell single handedly, Patrick. You're gonna do it. I know. I'm
2: here. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to contribute. I was not ready for that level of energy. Like for people that are listening to this, they don't realize that Jeff was on the complete. If there was a, a dial, the dial that started with the intro is the opposite of the dial that Jeff, like shambling his corpse to this microphone, is. No, oh, I can do this. It's true. I'm a professional. It's I can true. turn it up. And I it was it's like, true. Oh, okay. I'm ready now. I'm ready to go. I, I'm. I'm. You know, it's two hours later for me. I'm, re- I'm ready to roll. Go. Let's talk yeah, video let's
0: do it. And also, we're doing it without any musical accompaniment tonight, so it sounds particularly weird when I start <laughs> yelling and screaming. But that's okay. We're going to power through, and we're going to start the show the way we always do, with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games. This week can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com you can also send comments or questions we love hearing from you and that's the way to get in touch dlcfeedback at gmail.com you can also visit one of our communities we have a subreddit at five by five dlc.reddit.com and a discord which is five by five dlc on discord as well great folks hanging out in both of those places i urge you to take part they're really wonderful people. Check it out, but Patrick, you are our guest, so you get mm. first pick of stories. What would Ooh. you consider to be your story of the week? I you know, I
2: got to say the one the one that uh, sticks out uh, the most is uh, this this new Last of Us trailer. Uh, as I try to nail down, I I don't know still quite what to expect from that show. The uh, at least in terms of someone that's you know played that original game, played a decent chunk of that remake that looked awfully spectacular um i just sort of still can't quite tell from the trailers even as they get more reveal-y as we go along uh am i just going to watch a filmed version of a video game i've played a bunch of times um yeah. or where where exactly does the the barriers extend uh, on that show and I, I still don't have a clear picture of it but uh the one thing i do have a clear picture from from the latest trailer uh, is at least that uh i can't get uh, my wife does sit down and, and watch even a cinematic video game with me but i bet i can get her to watch this show and uh cuz it looks awfully good
0: i think that's a, i think that's a really interesting point i mean i i agree with you that it certainly uh looks gorgeous it looks like um you know the the show is going to be quite beautiful and cinematic and uh, it also looks based on the two trailers that we've gotten so far that it's it's going to be very faithful to the to the the game and and as you kind of pointed out that Seems to me to be a, a double-edged sword, and I sort of wonder if we are the last people—not uh, to make a pun, but the, the <laughs> last, uh, the last of us, the 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 last people that they care about, right? The, oh the, the yeah, I, I, is, I,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm with is, you. It's for you.
0: your wife and others that yes. don't know the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think we're the, the last people they're they're worrying about. I think if you were to shoot essentially a one-to-one remake of that in live-action form, th- that would be a good television series uh and I, th- th- yeah they're just they're uninterested because w- you know what we're going to show up anyway and go oh you know like you know like the the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the television over and over <laughs> like I, I, know, I know what that right.
0: is right right No, uh, does that make you less excited for the for the show if that's the case if that's truly the case I mean they've said there'd be fleshing out some side stuff but mm-hmm. for the most part if that's the case do you think you'll be less excited because you kind of know where it's headed
2: No, I I mean, I think there will be there always is sort of a delight in seeing even as kind of as shallow as it is just seeing something digitally adapted to live action. There is just kind of a joy in that. And given that uh, I still not quite brought myself, maybe this show will be uh, is is drag myself to watch the rest of that Chernobyl show. Um, uh, yeah. which was gorgeous and well made, and I watched the first two. It was like, "Wow, this seems sad." Um, yeah. Yeah. um and I hadn't quite. Well, at least, quite last gone of to... us
0: won't be sad, right? <laughs> no,
2: exactly, right, right. So I might as well just double up. Um, <laughs> so I'm I, I'm actually t- tremendously excited about it, and I think it'll be just interesting to see how, even if it is a pretty direct adaptation, like what is that? How does the broader, um, sort of, uh, like culture take to that? Because HBO is not positioning this as a hbo max series like this is a for for most people maybe this is like a distinction without a difference but for me it is important when hbo says we're making it as opposed to an hbo max and they're positioning it as like hey this is hbo's next big show like hey game of thrones is over not coming back for you know two and a half years uh last of us is next one up and like that means it's going to get the kind of push that really makes it capital i important to folks that maybe otherwise wouldn't just be scrolling through, you know, your, your, your average streaming service. Um, and I'll be curious if that clicks, you know, what is what exactly does that mean? Um, because even though it may feel like an old story to us, uh, I think it'll feel pretty fresh to anybody that's, that's unfamiliar.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we are, um, we're in a place where video games are getting more, you know, the the fact that it's based on a video game IP doesn't mean it's garbage. If it's a movie or a TV show, it, it, we've gotten past that, over that hump, you know? But I feel like this, as you rightly point out, this does seem like another layer, another level to reach where it's like, hey, prestige HBO series is kind of, you know, a, a, a badge of, uh, of quality that I don't think video games adaptations have gotten yet. So that's a big deal. Um,
2: it's the one kind of thing where I'm, I'm more. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, go ahead, please, uh, please. You know, relative to you know other you know high profile adaptations like the upcoming Fallout show, I have no idea what to expect from that. My expectations where Westworld went or Bottom of the Barrel, uh, basically. But it's yeah. basically like it's kind of you know you've assembled a bunch of top tier talent, and if you just ripped off the video game and just did that, you'd end up with something pretty interesting. And so that's not the the worst place to be.
0: Christian, I know you're already in the bag for, for Last of Us, <laughs> uh, but I'm wondering what the new trailer conjured in you. I mean, do you share any of these uh, these feelings about it, sort of may- maybe hewing too close to what you already know very, very well?
1: I don't. I, I don't have that concern. I, I I kind of understand it, but I do think it's interesting that I think this conversation happens more around... Uh, adaptations that are already visual than just a straight book where I've, you yes. know, uh, we've mentioned Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or The Road. Have they made an actual Road movie or just everything mm-hmm. that inspired by? Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. and
1: Or iRobot or any of these, uh, Blade Runner, you know, pick a short story. I make it was in. nothing
0: like the book, but yeah.
1: Exactly, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's I think because it's already a very realistic styled visual thing the video game it's like well are they gonna just tell me the same story again i mean yes that's why it's great like that's the story you loved before and yes they're they're now doing it in a new in a new way and you're kind of i think damned if you do damned if you don't in some regards i mean i remember the outrage of toby Maguire's organic web shooters and sam raimi's spider-man and it's like that's not spider-man you're changing you can't do that and it's like and then the other side is the, like, they're just, they're retelling the Gwen Stacy story. Oh, it's a, but, it, and so I don't know how you please people. And I think the biggest answer to this is yes, they are not making this for people that played the video game. This is something, I mean, it is, but it, yeah. it's bigger. It's, it's a bigger thing. It's an adaptation. And I have there, I've seen stuff. It looks like in this trailer that goes outside of what you played in the game. And so I think they will explore that. Because what I find interesting about it, or perhaps most fascinating about it, is so much of the game, the tension comes from the doing. When the that uh, spoilers for the first Last of Us, you know, you're in the school and the bloater busts out, and you have that combat experience that is nerve wracking in a way that. Other aspects of the game weren't. It was kind of the only boss fight in the game. It puts you in a new combat dynamic. You feel a little underpowered, and it's something you hadn't experienced before. So you as the player are reacting to it on top of the story's uh, oppressive nature, and I'm curious how you can convey those kinds of feelings. The story hits as hard if you are just a passive observer because, while I won't say it, a big part for me of the end of that game has to do with me being an active participant of so much of it that even though the end isn't a choose-your-own-adventure style ending it's like oh i i played this character i had this bond now this is how the game ends and i wonder if it hits as hard for people who just watch it and consume it
2: that way yeah and one of the things i'm I'm so curious about is like joel's like kind of a piece of shit in the oh i'm not supposed to swear in your show i'm sorry i'm, I'm gonna mess oh, it fine. up bro. It's totally accurate. Fine. It's <laughs> accurate. Uh, at least we can uh, edit but, this easily this week, Patrick. Go ahead. There you go. But, yeah, I got my one out of the way, and then I'll, I'll zip up like I'm acting on my fine. kids. Um, you know, he, he's kind of you know he's he's kind of garbagey in that in that in that first game. Um, but I think you you end up getting a lot of empathy through the act of play, right? And so part of what I think is going to be interesting is like when you remove the. The fact that there's the player who is controlling this character, which is naturally going to imbue empathy, regardless of how a character is portrayed, because you are controlling that character. What, like, how does that character land when you are removed from that and you are just watching the action play out in front of you? I think that is is likely to have some sort of uh, sort of like kind of emotional balance towards how these characters work for the audience when. You know, you're not just suddenly back to, to, to Joel. You know, uh, shuffling through, looking for you know, uh, you know, things to craft uh, and spending yeah. so much time uh, as him. Uh, I think that's that, that that's going to end up landing differently. And plus, ultimately, as a result, the script has to service more than just Joel. Whereas yeah. The Last of Us is basically Joel because you're the player character, and obviously that shifts during the cutscenes and sort of the the ambient dialogue that's occurring. But it you get the impression at least in the trailers that it's more of a an ensemble piece and that Joel is important but that um naturally by the nature of being a television series it's going to kind of pull back from him a bit and then where does i don't know where does the show land when it has to give up that space to other characters i'm not sure
0: yeah yeah it's interesting i you 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 both present great points and and christian i i, I do think it's interesting because as you point out you know when a when a book or even a comic book is adapted It feels like a virtue that it has stayed very true to its source material. And here we are saying, hey, is this going to be too much? But that is, I think that is because the fantasy is, oh my gosh, I get to see these things that only were in my imagination Mm -hmm. play out, right? I get to hear the actual voice of somebody, even if it's a comic book where I have images, you know, even if even if Brian Hitch is drawing Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> hearing Samuel L. Jackson say the words is pretty cool. Uh, but here we literally have cinematic techniques used to tell this story. The only time I've ever seen this story is when it was played out cinematically with actors acting and voices conveying. You know, and so it doesn't feel as special to me to say, "Oh, well." Now we get to see it in a new medium because the mediums are so much closer to one another. But I think Patrick, you make gr- great points where that the different that difference of interactivity, that difference of making it more of an ensemble rather than having a player character or you know the one that I'm associating with because I'm controlling it. That in itself might be a new way to experience the story. That's interesting. So I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm also. Not sure. Like you were talking about with Chernobyl. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready to have this show put me through what it's clearly gonna put me through. You know?
2: And maybe I mean, and maybe on that that point we're lucky that we sort of in broad strokes know where it's going. So at least yeah. you, you know, you're not the, I can sit and just turn to my wife when a big emotional beat is landing and being like, huh? Like this sucks, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's gonna be here, uh it's gonna be here very soon. Uh so uh, do we do we know a date? Christian, do you have does there a date? January fifteenth, uh, oh that, that Sunday.
1: Um, so soon is when so soon. it premieres. Yeah, and starting I, the
0: new year off right. <laughs> they, they're
1: uh, they've been you know doing tour. You know the, the 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 PR cycle has picked up. I know Neil has been. I think it was in Brazil. He's just getting back from, and you know they're showing some stuff and doing stuff, which I think shows that as Patrick mentioned, this is an HBO show. It, it is a yeah. o- over the air show. Um, and I think it shows that HBO has a lot of faith in it as as they are parading the, you know, the people behind it around and talking about it. And it's not like,
0: oh, just release this. <laughs> right, right. We shall see. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week?
1: Um, There's a lot of good stuff this week. I, I think for me, the most interesting as we are now in end of the year time and we're getting some game of the year lists and the game awards is what? is it it the eighth it's soon it's i think Mm -hmm. it's very soon um it was this news coming out that cyberpunk 2077 is getting a game of the year edition in 2023 and i don't know why I, i mean i kind of do i find this story fascinating because the concept of we talk about on this show a lot is like what is a game of the year but also of all games it seems like really weird when it's a game that just kind of constantly got dragged for multiple versions of its release. It got pulled from the PlayStation Store. Uh, it's regarded as one of the you know the uh, is, is it is uh, Calista Protocol going to be a cyberpunk? Is I mean it's referred to as a thing that doesn't work properly. Like at what point can you but not Christian? Is it- it's a game of
0: this year. See, that's the that's the, the little modifier that they left out. It's the game of this year.
1: <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't. So the quote uh, coming out of this was, um, it's a natural of order things. It was the same with The Witcher, which after both expansions was finally released as game of the year edition and has been on the market that way ever since. The same can be expected in this way is uh, what came out from, you know, investor chat from, cyber, from CD Projekt Red. Um and the expansion set to come out, but I and I, I kind of raise this in jest, but in, in all seriousness, I do think that like words matter, <laughs> and like releasing something like this, I, I think it just kind of cheapens it for for everything else. And that's not to say that no outlet awarded Cyberpunk on on PC or however its game of the year the year it came out, but I feel like there has to be a better way and I I guess like the serious take on this and and Patrick, I'm curious your thoughts in jest or seriousness is that I think to, to help further advance the medium and the hobby we love, I I do think less of this stuff needs to happen. (laughs) Um, where I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it needs to be, maybe the game awards is the award that really does matter. And that's what needs to be celebrated. I, I can't release, um, sharknado Four: the academy award-winning edition
0: you know <laughs> just like put that out on, oh, on the, the comparison would be movie of the year edition you know <laughs> where it's just it's not a specific movie you know it's not, <laughs> nobody's saying this won the game award or any other award for that matter They're just saying it's a movie of the year a game of the year
2: yeah, what if words matter until they don't, Christian? Uh, is uh, I think I think the takeaway here. I mean, I yeah, I, you know, it's game of the year is like synonymous. It's like a more positive spin on you know complete edition or definitive edition, and this is right. just one that uh, you know what it's game of the year because that Netflix anime was real popular, um, and the game <laughs> sold a lot. You know, I mean, I've been actually uh, I, I started a series on Waypoint where. Uh, I, you know, we're all familiar with this. How do I turn my life into content? Um, And uh, one of the things that I landed on was I was never going to finish Elden Ring, like in my personal time. I just did not have the hours once I looked up how truly grand that game was. And so I just started streaming once a week, uh, playing it for eight hours for like during my work time and kind of got through that in in a a month and change. And I picked that back up with Cyberpunk uh, over the last six weeks or so. And I guess Shocking how d- average and uninteresting that game is. It's not in the broken state that it was before. It largely functions, but like largely is a is a real key word there. Like frequently when you load into an area, all of the objects will just drop because it, the, the game spawns you in as everything else is spawning in and it'll bounce. There'll be times where uh, if anything's not working, like I can't seem to put my gun away. I can't seem to pull up, hit the tab button to pull up like the hacking interface. Bro, you just gotta load. You just gotta load a save again because something. It, it always gets fixed by by loading. Um, but this is you know the game is you know what eighteen you know eighteen months out from like that uh, original uh, sort of debacle and it is still kind of in a a real half baked state. It's it's more stitched together than it was before and I think this is more reflective of that game being exceedingly popular despite all of the headwinds that that came at it. Um, uh, when it was released. Uh, in in the time since. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think it sort of cheapens the notion of it, but I think if anything, it speaks to the broader problem of sort of like game awards in general is that the the desire to have some sort of singular award attached to games that would have some weight. I mm. don't think the game awards are that, um, given the amount of marketing and the amount of games that don't end up qualifying because they don't come out during the one period that the game awards will allow games to kind of like fit within there. Um, And so I'm with you that it, it broadly cheapens it, but I think that is more reflective of the industry desperately wanting that consensus award thing. And without it, uh, the words then do become meaningless because there's nothing to specifically attach it to.
1: Jeff, do you think, do you think game of the pick a game? Do you think blank game game of the year edition would likely sell more than blank game definitive edition.
0: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I I just I'm not into marketing. I don't know. I mean, it must right? They wouldn't do it if it didn't right. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good. Point. You know,
0: I I I I think the explanation is weird. Where it's just like this is just the way we do things. You know, like the, it, we did it for Witcher and it worked super well, so we're just doing it again. it's just it's an odd like just momentum. What are we going to do? You know, like we decided (laughs) it was going to be a game of the year edition before it ever came out. So here we are, you know, um, I just think that's weird. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, there must be somebody who's like never heard of cyberpunk and is looking at a best buy and is like, Ooh, game of the year. This must be great. I don't know. That must be the thing that works. It's it surprises me, but there has to be a reason for it. and. You know, I, I it doesn't. It's not uh, particularly offensive to me. It's it's kind of. I, I agree. It cheapens it, but it's like it cheapens what? It's not new. You know, like Duke Nukem had a Game of the Year edition, right? Didn't it? Like I
1: probably mentioned it as a story then too. I am a a, <laughs> a dead horse, Jeff. There are you know me well enough. Uh, yeah. You know, going nine years in on this, you, there got, are a few, you got
0: you have some bugaboos. That, there I'll are a few stories that. A, that I
1: will bring up every time they come up and yes,
0: uh, this is one of them. this is one of them
1: <laughs> on our yeah. podcast of the year uh episode of the show i should say which this is the podcast of the year edition episode <laughs> um, not to confuse yeah. it with
0: our episode about game of the year <laughs> <laughs> i have a complaint about the podcast of the year episode that you guys didn't talk about podcasts at all no 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 no, no, no. our podcast was the podcast of the year.
1: That episode was <laughs> our episode titled podcast of the year. Cause that episode was our podcast. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Of the year. Uh all right. Well, um, I'm actually sad to hear you say, Patrick, that cyberpunk is still not that great, but it's also kind of not surprising. But
2: It's not, te- it's not terrible. I guess yeah. I don't know what I expected. My, my expectations were pretty low going into it. Um, it's certainly playable, which is not nece- which is certainly uh, not particularly high praise for a video game uh, necessarily. But right. uh, there's just, not, you know, I don't have, I'm cyberpunk as an aesthetic, as a setting is, I don't dislike, but it's not, it's like doesn't do anything for me in particular. Um, and so I was kind of hoping that that, this game would maybe kind of draw me in, in a way that, uh, I don't know, that I would find interesting. And I'm having a good time with it, but I sort of like justified content idea i'd had in the first place whereas like Elden ring that's just a factor of my children take up too much of my time and i adore (laughs) that game loved it you
0: would have played it anyway yeah i I would have but it just
2: would have taken me a year and a half to get through it cyberpunk is more oh i'm glad i had a chance to do this to experience it to understand what this game where it kind of falls within the broader conversation i'm also glad i spent none of my spare time doing so
0: (laughs) Right, right. I do think you've hit upon what they should have called it, though. It should have been called the Cyberpunk 2077, the playable edition.
1: Exactly. Like well, and, and to be told, to, I mean, to be fair, maybe they will call this something else. This is, you know, this was CEO talking to investors right. about a thing. So maybe, maybe this is maybe all definitive, for not. Definitive
0: feels right. but Or the
1: yeah. cyber hack that, you know, I don't know. There's something yeah, there. And I do right. think, because I talked about it, I think a couple of weeks ago, Patrick, after I got my uh, 4080 and what DLS S there's an extra S people. I get it. Thank you for all your emails several weeks back. There's an X there. There are two S's. I left it out and Jeff, I listened to it and Jeff goes, you mean DLS and I just blazed through him without, I heard it and kept saying DLS. Um, but with that turned on in 27 cyberpunk 2077, I feel like for me, all that game is, is a vibe. Like it is such a vibe and I could I, I liked the, I was like, this is cool. And then you kind of do the things of the game and you pull its pieces apart and I'm like, I'm just gonna go back to the vibe. I like
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's a very cool yeah. place to explore. Um, but the actual act of like the combat's just not that and granted, like I didn't the combat in Witcher three is not particularly good either, but the storytelling yeah. was uh frequently magnificent, and I think that is ultimately like there are there are real highs in cyberpunk um but they're just kind of few and far between and don't feel stitched together um all that uh interestingly and so ultimately you're sort of left with kind of a a jumble of interesting ideas in which for most people the play is probably to hope that the dlc is sort of a take two at what they were going for and then actually we should probably should do is just wait for the sequel you know in four years um where they there's there's something here um and that studio is too talented to to not have done more than what is is present in the game currently but um you know it's not like it's a short game either and like there are so many games these days that uh even if you aren't like the three of us in which your time is a little more precious because of kids uh you know you know treat yourself better you know it's okay like (laughs) play something else the yeah.
1: last uh, cyberpunk thing I'll, I'll throw in here as we're on this topic, and then Jeff, you can I'll throw to your story of the week. Uh, I started watching Edge Runner because I had heard it was fantastic, the Netflix mm-hmm. anime, and I started I downloaded a few episodes and I started watching it on a plane on my iPad. That's not a plane. That's not a plane show. That is not. No. A <laughs> is it? Are you putting t-
2: up the blinders so that it's like, <laughs> oh no, they're having sex again? It, uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah,
1: it is not a someone you don't know sitting next to you in coach show. It is not that kind of <laughs> show. I knew it was an anime, but I I, I didn't know it'd be. As oh, this guy's boy. watching a cartoon. How not? Oh. <laughs> and like, I mean, no. the first five minutes of the pilot. And then I tried to get through it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll start the next episode. No, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fast forward, fast forward. Pa- oh, you're pausing. No, no. Anyway. Uh, all right. Um, I don't, My story of the week. I guess this is the one that, that I, I find most interesting, or at least I'm most curious to hear what Patrick thinks of it. Um, we we found out that Summer Games Fest is is coming back, coming back for its fourth year. It'll be in June, June eighth, uh, and we know that E three is coming back in full E three ness. Uh, and I guess I'm curious what you make of that, Patrick. I mean, Summer Games Fest kind of filled the void of no E three for a while, and it, I don't know. Now we have Coke and Pepsi, right? We got you know, it's it's what what do you make of the summer is there room for both of these events around the same time of year what do you think
2: my, my yeah my original speculation had been i thought maybe they would coexist and be close enough that ultimately what you would get was a version of what e3 kind of turned into as you had various exhibitors pulling out like ea right. um and sony in which E3 still existed as sort of like a mothership and things floated around it, but it sort of coalesced into like a week where, you know, Hey, here's a bunch, of, here's, a, here's an excuse to get a bunch of people to come out and yeah. you can kind of do whatever around it, even if it's not it was like New York fashion week.
0: Before. Yeah, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah. There were
2: parties to go to, <laughs> events to go to, right. um, and E3, even though it was a, you know, a, a pale imitation of its former self, was, it was still an excuse to get everyone out there. The budgets got approved because it's like, hey, we can – the people will be there and we can show them these things. And <laughs> right. so if, I think I have the timing right on this, but I think these are going to be separated by a week. They are not going to overlap or even be close enough where you could sort of imagine – you know, even like myself thinking through like, okay, like if I was gonna bring the folks I work with how, you know, my original thought was, okay, maybe this will be close enough that they can overlap to some degree. And now it's right. like, no, I'm like I'm not gonna go to I'm probably not gonna fly to LA for two weeks. And so if you're gonna do it yeah. at all, you're probably picking one over the other. And then for me that becomes a question of well what what you know, and it's too early to answer, but like what are these shows and what sort of audiences are they serving? I think E three can't be any worse and read pop Even though they're sort of a company that kind of cookie cutters, the uh, expos they put out, like, they're good. People enjoy going to them. And the thing about E3 where it left off, even putting aside the COVID digital stuff, which I think is, like, barely even worth acknowledging because it was kind of like the death throes of what they were trying to put together. Even as E3, the last physical ones that I was attending, and they were trying to transition to this in person or to this uh, uh, fan-centric stuff, they were bad at it. There was nothing to do with E3 except wait in long lines for demos. Um, there were no... There just wasn't, like... When you go to a PAX, or like, board game rooms. There are... Arca- the people who own arcade machines are, like, flying them out to set up, like, little, like, pop-up shop things for people to interact with. And there's other stuff to do. And just E3 never kind of figured that out. And so if all they do is just become, like... Uh, you know, Pax LA, which is what my expectation is for E3 going forward. Like <laughs> yeah. that may not be super appealing to me, but like, who do I care? Like that's, it's not, you know, it's not for me at that point. And then the question is, is Summer Games Fest anything for me? Um, Sort of as a, like a journalist and, a, you know, sort of a commentator. Um, Or do I get everything I need out of that by just tuning in on, on, on Twitch? And I think right now it's just not super clear where all that is going to kind of, kind of end up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the whole notion of these things is sort of a solution and sort of a problem at this point? Because, you know, it it feels like we kind of figured it out. We figured out how to do this without gathering everybody in the same place at the same time. And now it's like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to gathering everybody in the same place at the same time. And I I kind of feel like as much as I enjoy seeing people like you and others that I like, you know, I, I enjoy the social nature of it. Mm hmm. I also feel like does that make for a better better coverage better from the publishers and developers standpoint better from the the journalist covering it standpoint and better from the end user standpoint I don't know if any of those is the, the answer is yes
2: no I think I think just a lot of people miss it I think that like I think it's yeah. actually as simple as that I mean you have a combination yeah. of you know just folks not having seen in person a lot of uh, people that you know they're used to seeing in an industry in which you have a lot of people that you've like known for years decades you know especially yeah. even how how long you know you, you know even the three of us have, have been involved and so i think some of this comes out of just i want an excuse to get out and go do a thing with people when you know over the course of covid you know from you know sort of a reporter's perspective like a lot of companies did figure it out where like they found ways to use software like parsec in which you can sort of fumble your way through a demo and it's not, you know, the latency is a little bit there, but like, it's fine for you just getting a sense of how does this game work? Like yeah. what's going on here? What are their aims? Right. Um, and all they have to do is spin up a PC for you to play. And then they can connect you on a zoom call to talk to a developer. And like, that is frankly, as someone that is not close to like the hubs of New York or San Francisco or LA, you know, it was great for me because it gave me an opportunity to do more things that I don't have it And, and like, and things have spun up. It's like Square's doing a big thing in New York. Like, do you want to come out? I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> here. Uh, i yeah. Like, I'm, I'm good. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, all that aside, in terms of like the sort of like indulgent part of how the my business end of it works, I'm just, I'm curious if E3 is able to, you know, make itself feel like it is the capital I important that it used to be. And that I am less sure of i just don't know how publishers are going to treat it is it going to be kind of thing where keely is going to be going for the throat and it's like look (laughs) you want to be at the game awards like don't show your don't show your stuff i mean you can show your games at e3 but don't show a trailer at like you know i just don't know like you know there's certainly bad blood between uh keely and the e3 organizers and i don't know if the sale to read pop changes that but it certainly didn't change it to a point where They're collaborating in any official manner, or else I think the dates would have gotten a little closer to make that seem like it's like kind of one half of like the same the same sandwich.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who gets you know who gets all the the best free agents you know all the (laughs) all the available. uh, I mean this
2: this summer it was like do you want do you want to watch a bunch of space horror games? Tune into Summer Games Fest because Dead Space, Callisto Protocol, and oh, what was the other one? Like five of them. Yeah, Yeah. it was. I mean, it was great for me. I was feasting, um, but I felt bad for everybody else because it felt like Keeley deleted all the other games and just left the space horror games for, for everyone else. But I mean, that, that I think stuff like that also speaks to the the problem of what happened over COVID, which was the deterioration of E3 as a centralized place for things to be announced. And then pu- uh, publishers uh, sort of like spreading things out over COVID as a result of development getting scattered. The, uh, you know, the reason I think Summer Games Fest was pretty kind of like slim pickings for for even someone like Keeley uh, this past summer was because the stuff was being shown elsewhere, right? Like, you yeah. don't. why do I need to show it at Summer Games Fest? Like, right. you know, either th- you can do a publisher event where they only pay right. attention to them. You can do, you know, the Game Awards where there's the most amount of attention. And so I just think like the attention economy has expanded so much in terms of how people hear about this stuff.
0: That right. There's
2: less, there's reason to coalesce if you're like a smaller studio or indie developers in which you're kind of all working, kind of all linking hands and, You know like raising up uh together simultaneously but if you're a big fish that is going to get paid attention to regardless i mean what interest do you have in um in participating and that's why sometimes keely stuff feels like it's a bunch of favors his friends are doing it's like oh druckman is here kojima is here Um, uh as are friends with those guys and we and it's very transparent
0: yeah no that's why i said is it a is it a problem in certain, or is it a a solution in search of a problem? Because it, it does feel like, you know, we used to have to drink from the fire hose, right? That was the only way to get the information was like, sit down this one week, we're going to get all of it. And now we can sip like a fine wine all through the year. It doesn't matter, right? We're You get a little, uh, you get a little uh, appetizer from Nintendo on one week, one day, just about one game. It's just, you know, 20 minutes, about one game. And it's, you know, I think that might be better. It might be better, but Christian, I'm curious what you think about all this. I know, I know you enjoy a bit of the, uh, the Coke versus Pepsi of it all.
1: I, I find it fascinating. And I would almost say that if it wasn't, if if one of those uh, colas was not Keely, I would look forward to Keely's documentary breaking down Coke versus Pepsi, <laughs> like the final hours of uh, Game Thrones <laughs> versus E3. I think it would be, yeah. if anyone could make a phenomenal version of it that I would buy on Steam, I'm sure it'd be him. Um, I think for me the question is can E3 be something that again demands my in-person attention. I, you know, famously air quote talk about it on the show that I don't go to the big press conferences in person and I quit doing that when they were still happening because I didn't get anything out of it. As Patrick mentioned, you know what can you get out of it by being there versus watching it. And it's fun to hang out, Jeff, with you and Taramina and see people, but there weren't access opportunities after it you you get funneled in you get funneled out and then that's kind of it but what i liked about e3 in person before were those access opportunities where you get to learn something about a game that isn't part of the produced package trailer sizzle dev interview where they have the five things they can say i'm really excited about this game because of the breadth of technology packages we're bringing to the forefront bit and you're just like Okay, okay, this is your script. You're reading your script that I can see is on your other monitor you know, as they're talking to you, <laughs> looking like this. And I, I, I like that stuff about E3. I mentioned counter Spy a lot um, as a game that I kind of just stumbled by when I was exploring the hall. Um, I think that was, I think I think um, Sound Shape was that for a lot of people. I think Hollow Knight, if I remember correctly, was that for a lot of people. I think that he was demoing that at, I don't know, I could be getting my cons wrong, but that. Well, version... it, it,
2: it, Guitar Hero and Kanamari Damashi are like two of the most famous examples of yes. games that just. Like, I remember being at the E3 where Guitar Hero was being shown. Yeah. Uh, by Red Octane, uh, the yeah. accessories uh, manufacturer down in Kensha Hall, this which I now I think is a parking garage in the uh, L.A. Convention Center, um, and that was something where people were just like, "Hey." You just go, I don't know, just go to the desk and see if you can get in to see a demo of this, and it wasn't up in the flashy area, Yeah, it wasn't, I mean Kensha Hall was this, now this makes no sense to anybody because it's been so long, but like this was an area in which like you got a lot of uh, foreign accessory like the sales part of E3 that like went, kept like getting downplayed and like kind of ripped out as it became a a marketing event for the industry Uh, Kensha Hall was like the last vestige of that, it was like you went down there and you'd see like rows, especially during the Wii era, like just like whole racks <laughs> of Wii accessories that somebody's yeah. trying to sell to retail partners. And right. you went down there, and I I, I managed to sneak into like one of these Guitario things. I didn't even get to play. They were just like, well, we don't have any more playable, but like you can sit in the back and just watch someone else do it. And I got it. It was like holy shit! Like you felt like you had stumbled into something. Like oh my god! Like this is going to be huge once once this gets out. Remember, K- Katamari was like kind of the app similar to that in which someone said, hey. I don't know. There's some weird game over in the Namco booth that Jeremy Parrish keeps raving about and so you <laughs> and so that like went around and you yeah. would go over and be like, "What the hell is this game?" um and and that's the kind of I think yeah. sort of like magical energy that you can't get or is harder to capture in a live stream, even a really nicely done curated live stream that whether it's a big game or a set of small games. Um there is sort of the the joy of just walking around and stumbling into something special that kind of speaks to you um, yeah. and being able to tell other people about it. And that, that is, I, I definitely get the appeal uh, I, there because that's.
1: I think also as talking to to scoops himself here, um, you know, <laughs> those, the opportunity to have, and not like betray trust, but to be talking to someone in the industry in a casual way and something yeah. comes up that isn't part of the package. And then of course, you know, being a person who's not going to betray trust or whatever, be like, Oh, can we talk about that? that's fascinating no one talked about that aspect of portal two at the presentation. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Talk about that. The, you know why we changed the script for that. And then you have this cool thing that happened that isn't as, um, that isn't the same in these, in these uh, Nintendo directs. And I'm curious if Keeley leans into more of that. Cause I feel like this past year, he did have an in-person thing and mm-hmm. you could play Sonic frontiers um, and Street fighter six. I think were kind of the two biggies, but they were just kind of, I wasn't there, but from folks who went and from what I saw and heard of it, it it felt a little colder of like, here are demo stations and not necessarily that same intimate access that you can get stumbling upon things. Um, And so it's too early to tell, but I do think it's fascinating these dates. Like, are we going to get at Summer Game Fest, the exclusive world premiere of Spider-Man 2 Uh, and then at E3, Sony will be like, tune in in two weeks for... The exclusive combat
0: trailer, <laughs> like, right. kind of giving it all sense. up. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. different pieces. Yeah, I mean, you guys said it all very well. I remember having that same experience, Patrick, with uh the first uh, the Oculus Rift that first time it was at E three. Oh it was, like, yeah, yeah. Tiny little back room, and people were like, you got to try this thing. I was like, what? Where? What? You just yeah, just walk up there and see if you can get in, and we did, and it was yeah those, jeff's kids those will never special. go to college now because he
1: spent all the money on <laughs> vr headsets
0: that was the moment that was the moment my kids they wouldn't even exist yet but that was the moment anyway all right uh let's get to the games that we have been playing but first i want to thank our sponsor squarespace squarespace oh my voice is not great but still squarespace is i have been talking about squarespace for 15 years maybe crazy Uh, And I still recommend it. I still recommend Squarespace as a place to house, build, have your website. But now Squarespace is also an all-in-one platform where you can build your brand, grow your business online. If you've got a business, you can stand out with a beautiful website. You've always been able to do that with Squarespace. Engage your audience. Sell anything. Now you can sell anything. It's so easy. Your products, the content you create even your time, because Squarespace is built as a suite of features that make it easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand. They've got these member areas that you can uh, use to unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos or online courses or newsletters. And Everything you need to create that stuff is built right in. They have the Squarespace video studio app that helps you make and share videos that tell the story of your business, help grow your audience, drive sales. They've got blogging and commenting features. And the online store stuff is so simple. It really is all just drag and drop. What you see is what you get. so simple to sell your products in an online store, whether they are physical or digital products, Squarespace as the tools that you need to start selling online. It's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to worry about it. It's all handled for you. That's what you want. They also have tools that you can use to help grow your business like analytics, uh, real-time analytics that help you analyze uh, what's working and what isn't, improve your website, build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or your most popular products and content. It's so simple. You should check it out. Go to squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe. You'll get yourself a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use our offer code, which is Jeff JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe for a free trial, completely free. You don't even need to give them a credit card. Just free. Use the tools, see if, if you like them. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist. Patrick, oh what have what have you been playing this week? Have you been playing some actually some of the games that I'm most excited I've been out of town. Uh, i'm so excited to play some of these games but let's talk let's start with callisto protocol
2: yes i am uh i'm a huge dead space fan i'm a big horror fan i'm a big sci-fi horror fan in particular uh you know event horizon like one of my all-time favorites alien name it you know you just love callisto
1: also just in general put a little (laughs) callisto on something
2: exactly exactly (laughs) spread it um and uh, so I, I could not have been more primed for Callisto Protocol to be a game that uh, I was all over. I just, just kind of specifically had pulled, tried to pull as much as I can in my line of work, uh, Jeff Kanata, and not watch what this game was up to because I don't need <laughs> to know. You know, if I go to a, if if I had to go to an E3 and I was like, hey, do you want to come see Callisto Protocol? I'm like, okay, fine, yes, yeah, so of course, I'll book a thing, I'll go see it, and uh, I'll do an interview so I can talk about it and yada yada yada. I don't gotta do that though. Like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm I'm just gonna try and be surprised by this game. And so kind of went in not really understanding what this game was going to be, other than I knew it was some ex-Dead Space folks and they were going for kind of a similar vibe. Um and so I regret to uh, uh to report that uh Eclipse Report is like a pretty pretty mixed bag uh, in general. Oh. The combat, um I I just had no I got into the game and they're like, All right, let's do some combat. I'm like, okay, let's do some combat. And I discovered it's a boxing game. Um, and that's not like, that's not what I thought it's, it's a melee based, uh, or melee focused combat system in which what, what happens is your character will kind of situate itself behind the left analog stick will move you around the space. And then the moment you are sort of kind of locked in on an enemy, you can't like click a stick and lock in on them. It's sort of something that kind of happens more organically. Um, when an enemy kind of takes a swing at you, you are then to move the analog stick to the left to dodge to the left, to the right to dodge to the right, or hold back, and then you sort of block. And you don't take damage if you like, successfully dodge, and then you'll take a little bit of damage if you uh, you block. Um, and then it's you just punch out. Yeah, yeah. It, it is very, but like, what if punch out when like you missed twice, like your jaw was unhinged from your face in the most <laughs> grotesque way possible. And then you had to watch that happen seven or eight times while you worked out the particulars of a, of a fight. Um, and it, it's novel. Uh, it's novel. Um, and if you can sense in my voice, me just desperately trying to find ways to be like, it's look, it's interesting. Wow, it's really trying some things. And it is. Um I just don't think they quite come together. They don't really sing. It's it's very awkward. Um, the fact that I played the game for four or five hours and actually didn't understand a real fundamental aspect of the combat, which is, so the animations of the enemies seem like they're coming in with like kind of right or left hooks. And my thought was, oh, they're communicating. I should dodge like away from the hit. And like, that's that's what I'm supposed to do. And I just kept, getting hit in ways that I was like, okay, maybe I'm just reading the animation incorrectly. Like, okay, like this is kind of a dark souls thing. Like I got to like really get this down. Of course, the problem is you're playing in a game that is, ex- is extremely dark like, all the time. And so sometimes it's really difficult to read what the animation actually is. And it wasn't until I did our podcast and I'm explaining, like, I just wasn't really kind of grokking like this part of the combat. that <laughs> My colleague Rob Zachney was like, I don't think you read the tutorial text close enough. Because what it actually says is just hold left or right, and then just alternate between the two. The animations are just for show. It is what? it is purely, yeah, it's wild. It it, it 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 it's so fundamentally against what it's like pitching you. Um, and it's like, I, yes, did I read the text like fully? C- clearly not, because I, I was messing it up for hours. But my thought was. I've played a billion of these video games before. Like, I get it. I hold left right. to dodge. I hold right to dodge. Like, yeah, click. Like, let's get back into the combat. And I miss this very crucial aspect of how it works. And so... Well, also... But even once I... also oh, sorry,
1: and apologies for not having listened to your show yet, where you guys... Maybe no, had a you're, fine. you're fine. ...conversation about this. But, like, that's also how fighting works. Mm-hmm. Like, if I go like this, I'm either mm-hmm. trying to rope a dopia into then throwing a right, or this is the thing I'm going to hit you with. So you want to dodge out of that way. Like,
0: I, I want to just mention for the people that don't have the benefit of the video. <laughs> Christian did something that doesn't <laughs> resemble fighting at all in any way.
1: Did you not watch Popeye growing just, up, Jeff? Yeah,
2: I'm um, winding up. <laughs> Cause he's like, I know how fighting works. You go, you just, you I've, been in it, a, like a puppet. I've been in a bunch of fights in my day and they all went great.
1: <laughs> hey, to quote Mr. Miyagi. The best fight is the one you avoid, my friend. So mm. sorry. Well, wise. Does it count
2: as being avoided as as you wind up your punch and the other guy just knocks you out? Like, is that <laughs> avoiding?
1: Yeah. Because, Patrick, I didn't read the tutorial text. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. Like the <laughs> tutorial text. And so, you know, it, there are some cool things that it's doing. Like, once I sort of figured that part out, I, I also cannot recommend if people do want to give this a shot because you are like me and you just want, like, the fact that it is a. Uh, like really like technically impressive sci-fi horror game. And you're just going to play it regardless. Like some things just scratch an itch and like, I'm going to beat this game despite the how ambivalent I am about so many things about it, because it's not, it's rare that I get like a big high budget horror game. And like, I'm just going to be here to support it for what it is. But like, there are some interesting things that kind of happen with the combo where there are guns. Um, And so like, one of the things that will happen is as you get a successful combo you can shoot enemies from a distance, but broadly what they want you to do is incorporate it into the combo. So, like, let's say you get, um, like, you'll dodge, and then you initiate a melee sequence, and, like, you can, manage to land, like, two or three good hits. The reticle for the gun will appear and lock onto the enemy automatically and essentially becomes part of, like, a chained combo. So it'll be, like, dodge, left, right, shoot, and then like use a heavy attack to like push the the character across the screen and then use, you have kind of a, a kind of a gravity gun equivalent that like the charge goes away pretty quickly, but like then I'll pick them up and like I'm going to whip them against a fan and then like the fight's over. And so there are moments where you can really see what they're going for that it's not as though it's a, a combat system without like a real intent and direction. It's more just it's, it's it's just doesn't quite fit together in the way that feels all that good, at least to, to me. Uh, I, I don't know if, you, if either of you have had this experience where sometimes you play a game. And even though I stand by not particularly liking how this like feels, I also couldn't help but shake. Like there are going to be people where this clicks immediately and yeah. they adore it. And that's not going to excuse the parts that I think don't work. Um, and would allow it to appeal to a broader audience. Like there are parts that just fundamentally uh, could be better. And yet like I think there are going to be people who are like looking around the room, going like, "I have no idea what you people are talking about." This feels incredible. Um, yeah, and that's I'm not cool. one of them, but um, uh, instead, I'm just there for the my jaw to be ripped off my face. Um, <laughs> well, I give
0: them credit for not just making Dead Space again. No, you know, no, no, and, that's
2: and cool. it's yeah, and and that and that's the part where, especially given that just through the passage of time, like this game is about to come out. Uh, a month and a half before like an actual full-fledged Dead Space remake uh, comes out. I'm kind of glad they got staggered in this way because given my sort of ambivalent reaction to this and the fact that that Dead Space remake looks pretty spectacular, uh, at least of what I've seen of it so far, um, it seems pretty faithful and is just trying to kind of, how do we like match a game in 2023 with how you felt when that game originally came out. And they seem to be kind of uh, doing a pretty good job of that so far from the little bits that I've seen. Um, i'm glad i got to experience this game first and then i can also look forward to dead space as opposed to if the dead space game you know update turns out to be pretty pretty great and then like all right now time for another one callisto protocol uh and like this great. one is a little little you know it's just the story's not the characters don't mean anything the story doesn't mean anything It's like this game is only going to get you as far as are you like a complete weirdo like me is like yes I would like to watch the most disgusting thing I've ever seen rendered at the highest fidelity possible. (laughs) If that doesn't sound appealing to you, run away from this game. Um, But if that does sound appealing to you, you might end up sticking around the way I have. uh, Yeah, it might
0: might be a pass for me. It might be a pass
2: for me. It was very much, you know, know, I knew I was going (laughs) to come on the show and mention like, just not know. Just you're good. Like, it's, it's not even you can you know, say, like, we'll put it on easy and like there's a cool story to kind of hang your hat. No, not non existent. <laughs> not here. It's just like, do you want to watch an eyeball be slowly ripped out of a man's skull while he screams? No, that's weird. That doesn't do it for you? Okay, you know, uh, fine. I guess to each their own. <laughs> I had. Well, that read... is
0: Callisto Protocol.
1: Uh, are you uh... playing on PS5, Patrick? I had read the. PC version in particular is or launched as a dumpster fire, and I'm curious how you're playing it.
2: Yeah, I'm playing it on uh, Xbox. Um, okay. Normally, I, tr- I try to play in PC. Uh, I don't have a 4080, um, but uh, you know, I did uh, over over COVID. I you know, I love shopping at Costco, and that also includes buying uh, pre-built PCs from the Kirkland Experience, um, and so. Like, by 3070, I don't run them in 4K. I run them in 1440p, so it's, like, you, you can play most stuff, like, pretty pretty well with a with a card like that. And So I usually try to get stuff on PC, but they... It now makes sense in retrospect when the the uh, public relations people uh, usually, like, if you want to... This is, like, a little behind-the-scenes, but it's, like, uh, if you want to ask for more codes than you should probably get from a company, ask for the PC version, because it's just so easy for them to spit... They can do it themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. they just log on to Steam and, like, i like, can just make them so you're not even really ask you're not like taking something out of someone's day to do that whereas if it's like never ask for a second nintendo switch code you're like making someone's life like really hard if you're doing that
0: and then like it xbox literally, and plays literally miyamoto himself has to approve the- when
2: i when i when i ask when i've oh god like when i've asked nintendo for a second one they're like yeah but why and i'm like well, what do you mean but why like i do the like I, like pr person that i've known for 20 years like what do you mean they're like they're like texting me separately like i'm sorry Look, there's like a google form we got to fill out like we have to put like <laughs> and you have to say like what you're gonna do with it like is it a stream or a podcast so we can see if it's justified so i just stopped asking nintendo i was yeah. like no don't get a second code anyway i they said specifically in the callisto protocol reach out they're like pc is gonna come in a little late um and i'm like oh well that's weird usually pc is the first one and then the pc version coming out having enormous stuttering issues um like the graphics options like are basically non-existent. They, they seem to be addressing some of that stuff after the fact. But um, my understanding was the PlayStation version is the best performing version mm. of that. But I played it on Xbox and on the performance mode, you know, it's it was I had some weird stuttering that didn't make sense for the action on screen. But it was extremely playable and not not an issue uh, in that department. Cool.
0: Well, you also have been playing uh, another game that I am very, very excited to hear what you think of uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is a game I've been highly anticipating. And again, I was I was out of town all weekend and, and haven't had a chance to dive into this yet. But what do you think of it?
2: Uh, if p- people thought they were getting Marvel XCOM, uh, the first thing you should do is like dismiss that notion. Like that that is not uh, that is not this game at all. Um, in fact, the Probably the most surprising thing about Midnight Suns is the amount of story that there is. Um I, You know, when the game was announced, you know, you certainly got the sense that, okay, like if you're going to tell a story in the Marvel Universe, XCOM has a story, but it's mostly just like a loose series of connected events so that they could set up some cool scenarios for you to engage with as the player and that the actual storytelling that's occurring is the fact that you're two feet from an enemy and with a 99% chance of hitting and you miss. And like, that's a fun story you get to tell your friends. Um, And Midnight Suns is just way more uh, you're spending 70% of your time wandering around like sort of like an Avengers tower kind of equivalent out in this little fantasy woods and talking to any number of dozens of characters from the Marvel universe. Um, And then, you know, occasionally uh, engaging in, sort of this uh, card-based tactics game, which uh, Jake Solomon, the designer of the, uh, kind of the principal designer of the last two XCOM games and was the creative director on this one, when I chatted with him a couple of weeks back, you know, had had mentioned that Slay the Spire was the most direct inspiration for Midnight Suns. And so I think you can see a lot of Slay the Spire in Midnight Suns. Like the way Solomon kind of put it to us was uh, that they tried to, they did make... uh, XCOM with Marvel characters and they hated it uh, in the prototype <laughs> phase. You know, they, wow. so they, 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 ran into some early issues, which was, uh, and some of these make, make sense when, when explained as opposed to just sort of imagining, well, of course, like just take XCOM and put in captain America and It'll be fine. And you know, one of the things they said, he was like, well, okay, the characters can't die. That's not going right. to work. And part of what makes XCOM work is anyone can die at any time. Um, and the soldiers are dispensable. They're just little, you know, army people that you've got, you've got out, even as powerful as one of them might be. Um, uh, and then also, it's gonna feel weird if uh, Iron Man uh, like has a ninety-eight percent chance of like hitting this Hydra soldier and then just doesn't. So, all right, well, we got to get rid of that. Um, and they like pretty quickly got to a point where it just wasn't XCOM anymore. They would taken out so many of the things that defined XCOM as a game, and while they were kind of like struggling around for, well, what is this game going to be? Because when Marvel called us, the game that they approved us building was, was Marvel XCOM. Now we (laughs) have to make something else. And it's a game where, you know, when you get onto this sort of like the, into the battles themselves, you know, you have a set of characters and you have cards and you have like a broader like pool that you're pulling from, but those cards are like pull or like rotating over. Like when you're using one of the cards, like a captain Marvel, um, the cards in front of you are all from the three characters, but there's not equal distribution. They're just pulling from from the broader deck. And so what makes it kind of interesting is whereas XCOM, you can have such a very specific plan for what you're going to do turn to turn because things are pretty static. You know what the cooldowns are on these, on these uh, special powers. You know what each individual soldier does and why you brought them. And here, between a combination of characters being required for story purposes or like the randomness of a deck um turn to turn is going to be a little more interesting because you're going to have to adapt based on what the cards gave you as opposed to what your actual plan was. And so I have quite enjoyed that part of it. I th- I think the like the the card part of Midnight Suns is like really enjoyable and fun, but so much of your enjoyment of this game is going to come down to does the writing work for you? Does hmm. do these interpretations of the characters work for you? Um and I, you know, I'm only seven or eight hours in in a game that is supposed to be like 60-ish hours long, like extremely long. Um, and I think the writing is is pretty good, but it's too early for me to necessarily say it's I want to spend 60 hours with these characters good. And I haven't spent enough time with the card layer to really know, well, how much depth is here? Like, is, is this, uh, you know, is this also going to kind of pull its weight alongside everything else so i think it's a really interesting swing for the studio i'm glad they tried to do something pretty different um as opposed to just jumping straight into xcom 3 but um i think you also see a lot of the growing pains of a studio that realizes they're gonna have to do a bunch of storytelling um Mm. because that's not just something you just do now that you know they staffed up for it they hired people but i think you see a lot of growing pains with this game and then um you know whether that clicks for you is going to depend on a lot of factors that may not necessarily directly appeal to people that just wanted another XCOM game, and maybe this time it had Iron Man in it.
1: Is it, um, from what you've played of the story, like, really dark? Like, I I find the key art for this game, off-putting is overstating it, but a lot of Marvel key art is bright, heroic, Mm -hmm. uh, you're the champion, even for some of their darker comics or darker uh, uh, MCU properties and the key art for this game is always very yellow and like reds and fire foreboding like I, I know the general plot or at least what they've shared in the trailers but i'm curious in gameplay is it like heavy is it like is it no. riverdale marvel no. or is it like the shiny marvel yeah.
2: no it's 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 very kind of tongue-in-cheek i mean it's 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 not i don't think it's I mean, even the, the MCU has gotten away from like the Whedonism that like defined so much of a couple eras of 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 Marvel. Even if that is still pretty present in how a lot of the, the quippiness of their their scripts kind of kind of move along. But this isn't quite that, but it's also not deadly serious. Um, uh, I think they've had trouble figuring out how to market this game more generally. I think I think you're picking up on on that sort of confusion on how to convey. What is this game? What is the version of these characters? I mean, I think it's this is actually something that will be interesting going forward, as it is clear that Marvel is moving in a direction where they want to have two to three major games coming out alongside all of the television shows and the films, is how do these video games navigate the fact that there is a, despite the long history of comics, the popular in cultural interpretation of these characters is what the MCU has established. Hmm. And then what do they, what do they do with these characters and people's expectations for what they are or aren't? I thought the guardians of the galaxy game did a spectacular job of finding an identity for their take on the characters. That was also piggybacking off of, James Gunn's interpretation of the characters, which itself was you know piggybacking off of you know of, you know a very well liked run of the Modern Guardians, of the Galaxy's team team up, and I felt like the game was like, hey, this doesn't betray the characters I like liked in James Gunn's films, but also carved out their own version of it and like own dynamics that felt special and interesting. Um, and this is a little bit different because it's it seems like it's purposely kind of running away from the movies, uh, both in terms of the like, the characters it's portraying, right? Like, Blade is one of the first main characters. Um, Like, it is just as a... You know, there are lots of... Like, I don't don't have a huge... Like, most of my comic understanding comes from watching the MCU and then looking up Wikipedia pages after (laughs) I've watched the film and then reading some comic (laughs) runs. And, like, there are just... So many characters in this, like magic. I don't know who that is, like, but <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Jeff does. um yeah. <laughs> And 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 so it might be a delight to you because this game is clearly like coming from a place of like a deep love of like the huge roster of Marvel, as opposed to feeling beholden to, hey, let's do the characters that are popular and on the right. billboards. I mean, th- the way that Solomon had men- and mentioned the original pitch to Marvel was like, Marvel basically came to Traxis and was like, hey. Do you guys want to make a Marvel XCOM game? They're like, uh, well, we are going to make XCOM three, but Oh, may, I don't know. We'll think about it. And, <laughs> th- and then they came back they were having discussions. And the way Solomon said, it, it was like one of his favorite runs of a comic was the original midnight Suns uh, comic, which is like, at least in his telling a kind of obscure, not particularly popular comic run. And he brought it back to Marvel. Was like, Hey, we want to adapt midnight Suns. And there was like a, like a lull in the call. For someone like Spock, I was like, "What? Like, why?" I, you know, <laughs> I, you know. Um, but I, I think you can feel that in the game is is a deep love of like these characters. Um, and if you're looking for a Marvel game that is not necessarily going to be all the headline bangers, uh, there there is there is a lot going on here that I think will will scratch some itches.
0: That's awesome. I'm I'm very much looking forward to digging into it. Uh, it's part of the joy of of Snap, honestly, is like how far afield they're willing to go with some real deep cut characters you know mm-hmm. it's super fun to get a card of like ooh, that yeah awesome <laughs> <laughs> um awesome so that's marvel's midnight Suns. what else have you been playing
2: uh i, I very briefly i'm, I'm kind of you know it's game of the year time and uh so you know i was like putting together a, a list at the end of the year and kind of reflecting on the year that was and so um one of the games i'm like trying to i basically put a pause on like god of war ragnarok i was like i'll get back to you I wanted to finish you, but, like, I'm only halfway through. Put a pause on Callisto Protocols. Like, I'll get back to you when I'm on holiday break. And <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of, like, going – I'm, like, looking through a list of, like, what are games that I could play over the next two weeks in which I could finish, like, two or three of them if I kind of put my mind to it. So one of them I'm getting back to is Metal Hellsinger, um, which is a game I played a little bit of when it came out earlier this year, back in September. Uh, really terrific uh, first-person kind of music rhythm uh, shooter game uh, that I am not, like, a metal person – uh, I'm not like opposed to it, but it's not what I'm listening to in my, in my spare time. Um, it's kind of thing where like if you, if a couple of times I've ended up in a metal concert, I'm like, this is really fun to listen to like live and performed, but like, I don't want to do this at home when it's like, you know, <laughs> Hey, Hey Google, put, you know, put on Megadeth or whatever. Um, and, uh, but it's a terrific game. Like, can't, can I uh, recommend it more highly? I'm, I'm someone that adores music games because they, I feel like they give me a, uh, a chance to in, kind of engage in the fantasy of, interacting and understanding music on a level that i never will because i've tried to like perform instruments and like it's just it's not gonna happen like it's fine like the fingers and brain aren't made for it and so the reason music games are constantly some of my favorites are because i feel like it gives me a window into a world that i won't understand otherwise and which is like it speaks to the real magic of of video games and being able to kind of like give you a glimpse into that and so i think metal Hellsinger singer is a really great uh, it doesn't make me feel like it's playing an instrument, but it does feel like it gives me a sense of like the rhythm and intensity of of metal. And it's also just a really good uh, shooter. Um, and then on the side of that is uh, I I was never a Minecraft person because growing up, uh, if you gave me a like a box of Legos, I didn't know what to do with it. I I liked following the directions, like follow step one, step two, step three. But just like, hey man, just build something. Yeah, but what? I don't know. And and so maybe that's part of why video games appealed to me at a young age, because it was like, do this, like follow these directions. And so Minecraft has been interesting because my oldest, who is um, uh, six years old, has gotten very into Minecraft. And then finally was like, can you play with me? And I'm like, Jessica, I don't, I'm not very creative. And fortunately, what's great is that she is, and I can just follow her lead. And so she plays on her iPad while, I repurposed an old Xbox one, like a box that I probably should have thrown out at this point or donated, but has since just become the Minecraft box so that I can, I can play with her, um, which has been oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's been, it's been really, it's look, it's not Roblox. And so it's like, what if right. like, I'm going to play Roblox. Like, what if, okay, I don't really want to play Minecraft, but like, what if we did that instead of playing Roblox? And so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, it's funny. Uh, I'm sure you have this experience. And Christian, and I have talked about this before where it's like, I play video games for a living. Child of mine. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, awesome. Do you play this one? Well, no, not that one. Not that one. Um, <laughs> but like everybody knows me for video. Like I'm, I'm known that I play video games. Oh, really? Do you know what about this one? I'm not that one. <laughs> you know. So then you must know everything there is to know about Minecraft, right, Dad? Oh. Like, oh uh, um, Dad, how no. do you turn on
2: creative mode? How can you make me fly? I was like, I don't know. I need to watch some YouTube <laughs> videos. Exactly. I mean, I mean, it was it was interesting because I, uh you know, I, I wanted my kids to sort of figure. Like, there was two things. One, I spent all my day and most of my nights playing video games for my job, and the last thing I really want to do is then fill in the time with my kids. Yeah. To also, uh, kind of go with video games, and at the same time, along the same track was. I, I really want my kids to figure out like what they're into on their own. And it's like, yeah. if you see me playing yeah. video games. If you're interested in video games, you're growing up in an era in which you're surrounded by them and all your friends are doing them. So there's not like kind of the prejudice that was sort of around like me growing up or, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So if you're interested in video games, I am not going to tell you not do it, but also you're not going to get a bunch of encouragement from your father <laughs> to do it because it just means that I'm spending the, the, t- the precious few hours where I don't have to, dedicate brain space to video games doing it and so it's been an interesting balance between those sort of like competing feelings and and minecraft i will say was finally it was nice to get it off the bucket list of like i just don't know really what this is and (laughs) i was forced to figure it out with her um and and that that part has been a joy and so she gives me and it actually kind of works out where like i don't know what to build it's okay she'd say hey dad i need you to go build a pen for these cows that i've stolen from somewhere else on the map like, okay dad can do that like you just give me a <laughs> give me the you tell me, me what to do stuff. jessica yeah you tell me what to do and i am just here to follow your master plan
0: that's amazing well that's wonderful that's cool uh christian spicer what is on your playlist two games i want to talk about
1: that i've been diving into uh one the first one is need for speed
0: unbound which but is like came out i guess with no fanfare yeah, no announcement like it just it just arrived.
1: It also like it's like that EA game that's like out before it's out if you have uh yeah. Game Pass Ultimate because you get the 10 hours or if you're EA Premier whatever it's called or you bought the $100 version or whatever, you know, it's like EA
2: Play I think is their their yeah. service. Yeah.
1: There's like five different ways that you can get into this game early aside from getting a review code to it but also none of those ways were like touted or celebrated way a lot of them are where it's like don't forget to do th-. and I was like oh it's out like I can I I can play this right now Um, and it is also a game that uh, supports uh, beefy jeepies Jeff it supports oh, yes. uh, DLSS uh, 3.0 it is. you got it thank you um and not even talking about the game
0: holy crap is it awesome to play this is the one that's kind of like um um into the spider-verse for racing games right
1: not kind of like, like visually i mean it it is there are moments in the sound and it's got a lot of licensed music but the intro when this game starts hitting there are straight up Like, I can't dissect music in a way that's like, oh, this stem is from. There are straight up drops and visualizations that are Pavlovian responses to Into the Spider Verse. Like, clear, (laughs) distinct, like, we are doing this intentionally to remind you of that. And this is this. And isn't that awesome? Yes. So it's realistic looking car models with what used to be called cell shaded style. People, but you know, more complex than like uh, Wind Waker or something like that, or Jet Set um Polygons, but that kind of the Neuro character in Fortnite style, you know, cartoon character look, but of real people, like of Aesop Rocky, like as that version um of themselves, but in realistic cars, but then adds in the Spider-Verse anime style smoke and streak and, and flare coming off the rims. And on PC, which is the only way I played it, with DLS, s all 3.0, all of those accoutrements turned on. I mean this this game sings. It is the opposite. It's a uh, Frostbite engine, the opposite end apparently of Unreal Engine 4, which cannot release a PC port in 2022, despite being already the old Unreal Engine without having stutter problems. Frostbite. And what DLSS 3.0 is able to do to have this game running in 4K at, I mean, I'm averaging probably 118 to 130 frames per second, flying around a street, an urban street at night, going fast. And the perception of speed and need for speed unbound is so refreshing because I love Forza Horizon 5. I love Gran Turismo 7. Forza Horizon, you're rarely in a dense urban environment. You know, the Forza Horizon games, you certainly go into the cities sometimes and into the festivals and drive around things, but it's not claustrophobic right. Tokyo streets. Um, and Gran Turismo 7 certainly has famously, uh, Gran Turismo has often had Tokyo highways, but again, not in the city. It's like a racetrack built around these streets, and, and it's a very more quote unquote realistic sense of speed. Need for Speed Unbound takes place in a fictional Chicago. Uh, it's Chicago. It's it's I
2: Just call it Chicago. Like yeah. there's mountains. There's there's like mountains yeah. at the edge of the city. It's like Wisconsin does not have the mountains of Colorado <laughs> on, on the borders of Chicago. I was dying. Like I've, yeah. I've been screwed twice. Watchdogs also had just an awful, awful <laughs> interpretation of Chicago. And then and then Need for Speed Unbound goes well. We're just we're just not brave enough to do it. We're gonna call it uh Lake. What is it? It's Lake uh, Sky Lake or
1: sk- some sk- something. Lakeside, I skyline. I forget. It's uh, it's Chicago. It's so Chicago. Yeah. Like I saw you waving out of your house. Like it's so I and mean,
2: it does so, it has like if you've seen The Dark Knight, you know, yeah. like the way the uh, you know that that they shot that to uh portray Gotham uh city and and so like the, the way those trains kind of go over, they have those same train tracks. It's called the L in Chicago, so
1: Yes. And it, it is a very, aside from not being called Chicago, uh, it is a very <laughs> cool map to drive around in. And so it's refreshing to play a driving game that has this sense of speed around an urban environment because Gotham Knights is the other game that has driving at night in an urban environment. And the sense of, aside from the, the host of problems that Gotham Knights has, this, the sense of speed of driving around that city they can put all the blur lines they want on the screen. I was going to say, screen. but doesn't it have
0: like little wind lines? <laughs> it's so
1: slow. It's molasses lines. It's just such a slow feel. And Need for Speed Unbound is the opposite of that. It feels like you are whipping around in this city. And as the gameplay itself, it's kind of a mix of, I, I would maybe say heat and hot, for, hot Pursuit. Like there's been so many Need for Speeds that it's, you know, it's not Need for Speed run. You know, it's definitely not that pedigree. It is... In the pedigree of so you know what I've played. I'm still within my 10-hour trial, so you know, whatever hours I am, six hours, whatever I am into it. Um, it is in the pedigree of the better need-for-speed driving games, in my opinion, where you're going out and you're engaging in um, contests, street racing things where you're, you're betting and entering events and entering races to win money, to upgrade your car and progress through the story, but also cops are present in just the open world, but also in those races where you'll be racing and a a cop will pull in and, you know, try to take you down or or pull you over. But then also after the race, it's not like, well, the cops are gone. It's well, you got, you got this heat on you jerk. You better get home to a safe house because you just won $30,000. But if you don't get home, if you don't get back to your garage, you lose all of that. And so I think that's a really fun dynamic that Need for Speed has certainly played with before, but it's fun to see that um, back again. My gripes with this game are minor um, so far, but I feel like worth highlighting. One, if you are like me and have played a lot of Forza Horizon 5 and Gran Turismo 7, getting back into the need for speed, driving, drifting mechanic took probably an hour for my brain to unlock, where it's very drift heavy if you want it to be, especially early in the game. Um, later you can progress and mod your car instead of like have a drift car and have a regular steering style car and you can finesse that stuff, but it's not how Gran Turismo is, you know, realistic and Forza Horizon, it doesn't go full anime turning. You're doing a 180 Ridge racer style drift the way need for speed does and putting that into denser environments. I was like, something feels wrong here. And it took me a while to unpack what was happening. The other thing that I think is the biggest issue of the game so far, and I don't know if it's addressed via a patch or not, like it is problematic in a way that has sucked the most enjoyment out of it of anything that I've been playing, is the visual, how obvious the AI rubber banding appears to be in the game. Where all race, I don't know about all, most racing games have some form of rubber banding. And sometimes it feels great because you're in seventh and you're able to you know, get your way back up because most racing games only have you do three miles. And most races are much, much longer than that, especially as you're going around a track over and over again. Um, but there are times where there's a, a, a Reddit post that went pretty viral of like calculating because it shows you the distance the car is behind you. And they calculated the speed that that car had to be going to close the gap of that distance. <laughs> and it was like four times faster than what they were going. And they were already going 150, you know? And it's just like, yeah. and it's a game that the some of the story stuff or the, the way you progress through the races is betting on races and where you think people are going to finish. And it's frustrating then to see that play out in such an obvious way. So I don't know if the fix is like, don't have the rubber banding or hide it, <laughs> hide it better. Um yeah because the racing dynamic I feel like what's refreshing about it is that I don't think you're supposed to win every race. Like that's not the progression. The progression is you grind through, you're working your way up through this underground racing circuit and you bet on other people to finish in place. So like that seems stuff seems really cool. Mm. But then when the stuff happens and you see the sausage, <laughs> you know, the AI sausage yeah. being made
0: it doesn't really feel good when you notice it. Right. Yeah.
1: And then yeah. the last point I'll make about Need for Speed Under Unbound. I almost said underground. Unbound. I think it's rated T for teen. I have to double check. Um, the lyrics for the licensed songs are not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it,
1: uh, there's some great songs. Uh, I think like two of them are edited and the others are talking about what you think they'd be talking about at a street race. Um, not edited. You, but, gotta,
0: you can't drive unless you got, you got WAP in your ears, right?
1: Uh, yes, oh. indeed. <laughs> Yes, indeed. <laughs> um But I, I mean, I'm probably doing more PR for this game than EA's done. Uh, yeah, I can't. But you like can't,
0: it? You like it overall?
1: I, I really like it, and I can't believe that it's kind of been you know someone's doesn't know how to drive stick, and they're trying to launch this game. <laughs> and it's on Game Pass. Yeah, Game Pass Ultimate, which gives you the EA yeah. version of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Unbound. Um, And the other thing that I'll talk about very briefly, because I played it mostly because of the engine upgrade it got, uh, is Fortnite Season... Chapter 4. Sorry, not Season 4. Chapter 4 came out, and it has Unreal Engine 5.1 on it, and with the BPGP, I wanted to put it through its paces. So it has Nanite, Lumen, Virtual Shadow Maps, Global Illumination, it can do hardware-based ray tracing, and more, built into... Fortnite, which we've all been playing for forever, uh, Patrick and Jeff, it's stunning. I, I think Fortnite in this engine on it's this patch Unreal 5.1 stuff is supported on next gen consoles and PC. An image, image, Epic has a blog post up, and I'm scrolling through it here on the video of some of just like still images of the difference of what like nanite tech does in the lighting. I mean, this it's, it's one of the best looking games I've ever played now. Just wow. jaw dropping—the level of detail of stuff that's in the inside of a bathroom of a random room on this island. I mean, I've always thought the art style was dynamic and and could capture any IP, but I I want a third person action game built, you know, with. I think that's what
0: they started with. <laughs> I know
1: <laughs> well, that was a PPE game. I want I want I want this. Like I play as Aloy a lot in Fortnite. And I, mm-hmm. I just want the horizon game built in this engine. Mm. If you, wow. if you have the tech, if you have a next gen console and I think on a consoles, you need to sacrifice 120 frames per second to turn on all the the stuff of unreal engine 5.1. But if you're able to do it, do it. And they got my money because they put RoboCop back in the shop and uh, RoboCop is such a great skin for ray tracing. So I immediately bought RoboCop, who I resisted last time, despite friends being like, RoboCop's in the— sh-. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not playing that much. I don't need to buy RoboCop. They put RoboCop in the shop, and I just went to a faraway place in the island, and there's a new hammer that emits light. And I was like, ooh, they're doing a little <laughs> photo shoot.
0: I think, Christian, I think I speak for Epic when I say, thank you for your cooperation. Oh, yes. Yes, oh, indeed. RoboCop reference. Um, awesome. Awesome. So that is uh, Fortnite Chapter 4 with that new engine and Need for Speed Unbound. Uh, I am going to use my time, my allotted time, to do something we haven't done in a while, which is do a little tabletop time. Right now, right now. All right. So as I've mentioned numerous times, this episode, I went away this weekend. Uh, I spent four days in Palm Springs with my buds. It was uh, it was uh, Alex and Dan from the totally rad show and and a couple other friends like my old board gaming group. Mm -hmm. And literally I hadn't seen them since before. We all hadn't been in the same place at the same time since before COVID. And literally all we did, we had this amazing (laughs) pad that we got to stay in. We never left it. We didn't do anything. <laughs> we didn't walk. My wife called at one point. She's like, "Are you have you guys gone on any hikes?" No hikes. We didn't do hikes. <laughs> we played board games. We sat in a we sat in one room around a kitchen table and we played board games all weekend, and I want to tell you, it was glorious. It was glorious. Uh, the game that dominated most of our time, ladies and gentlemen, uh is one of the best tabletop experiences nay one of the best gaming experiences i've ever had it was betrayal legacy uh patrick i'm curious if you have any experience with betrayal at house on the hill the board game Do you know no of
2: i've he- i've heard of them i have a lot of friends that are deep into board games but that is uh there's like what like much like minecraft i was like if you know what i don't need to play more video games with my daughter but if she wants to get like really into board games so I could understand the kinds of things a lot of my friends spend so much time with and have so much uh so many good things to say uh i've I've heard of it but not of engaged with it myself well
0: I, I asked because it is it is a horror game right it is that uh-huh. it, it is a haunted house horror game it co- uh, and, it comes and, up
2: every time that when on waypoint when we've done board game stuff people are i have are always always pushing it but I always defer to our board game connoisseurs and I think at yeah. some point I just needed i need to take the reins and be like no, we're going to do one of these one of these spooky ones one of these days. <laughs> I think
0: you would enjoy it. I, the, the original Betrilla House on the Hill is a very excellent game. The idea is that you are exploring this this house, this, this scary house on the hill, and uh, laying tiles down to figure out the layout of the house, and you have different floors that you can go to, and that's one phase of the game. And then at a certain point, something happens, and one of the players becomes a traitor, and then it is, you know, all the players against that player and the dynamics completely change and some horrible thing has happened. It's really fun. It's a great game. The game we played is called uh, Betrayal Legacy. Now, this is not a new game. It has been out for several years. It's one of the early legacy games. There's Pandemic Legacy uh, and then Rob Davio, friend of the show, Rob Davio, has been on the show. Great, amazing uh, board game designer. He uh, teamed up and and helped design, helped bring Betrayal of the House on the Hill into this legacy concept. The legacy game is a board game that changes over time. It it is designed to be played, uh, and the scenarios uh, introduced as over time, depending on the things that you do and how your play sessions go. Introduce new rules into the game. You'll actually be destroying cards and adding new cards. And there's stuff in the box that unlocks when you do a certain thing and it changes. And there's a a dynamic story that evolves over time. So, Betrayal Legacy is that it is a 13 episode story that you play one game at a time. And You, you know, it, it works like betrayal at house on the hill in the, in the sense that ostensibly what you're doing every time is you're, you know, exploring the house, something happens and then there'll be a, a traitor or not, but most of the time there is. And then there, the dynamic changes and you're kind of playing against each other and one side wins. And basically depending on which side wins, new things get added into the game. The game evolves. It changes over time. You get more house tiles. You get more items. You get more stuff that comes out of the box that has been hidden in the box comes out of the box and added to the game.
2: Did you do all thirteen episodes?
0: We did not. <laughs> we we set out to do that, but and, uh, okay. we did not. I, we got really. Cl- I mean, we we got. I got. We got a little past halfway, mm. and we we were very ambitious. We thought we were there four days. We thought we could do the whole thing, <laughs> but man, it was. My group is, is very slow anyway, because there's a lot of debating and talking and yelling. As you can tell, my voice is gone. There were, this <laughs> is truly one of the greatest experiences I've ever had doing anything. It was, there are, I mean, Rob Davio is a genius, and there are so many twists and turns and unexpected things and like the reason my voice is strained and almost gone is because of how many times i was just shouting just just freaking out like us jumping up and down uh, freaking out that something (laughs) happened that some unexpected crazy twist you know some revelation something we didn't see coming it is so thematic there are so many amazing homages to classic horror stories there you're you're playing out living out th- these things that are familiar, and then it'll completely subvert your expectations and do something you didn't see coming at all, and something will happen and you're like, "How did it know we were gonna do that <laughs> it's i i have it is the highest recommendation I can ever give to anything truly, and I would highly recommend it. it it really requires the kind of situation where we that we had which is i would never want to play this with any fewer than 5 people mm. it's like made for for that number of people 5 people you can play it with fewer i i don't think it would be as fun 5 people play it like have a plan if 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 you can do it in like a you know a, a long weekend like we did or and I, we're planning – we're already planning, like, the next long weekend to finish it out. <laughs> I was going to
2: say – I was surprised you didn't have to extend it for an entire – you know, call the oh, wife. And be like, "It's hey, two more days. Two more days. I'm sorry. Were, you now.
0: know, if I if – it wouldn't have been the end of my marriage, we, we probably would have. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, we're already plan- – we, like, we already, like, we're looking at calendar dates. Like, how can we do this again finish it out? <laughs> but – or, you know, or if you can, like, have a situation where you, like, every week you do another one, right. you know, because they're really only, like – an hour to two hours per. Um, and probably if you're not our group, you could probably do it a little faster even, <laughs> but it is such an, an like, I, I don't want to spoil anything. So I don't want to give any details, but literally the first mission is like, you know how that, you know, that thing that happens in like the first episode of a great TV show or, or like the first 10 minutes of a, a movie you love where you're like, you just go, Oh, I'm in good hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I know what. Wherever we're going, this piece of art has ensured that I am in because I just know that this creator ha- it has ideas, and that like the first mission is just like this is brilliant. This uh, this is perfectly thematic. This is like oh, we're in it, and it just and it goes from there. It gets crazier, and there's there were so many moments. Where we were like, the, it, it, you know, there's a lot of chance. There's a lot of dice rolling. You're you're doing combat with these dice that have a zero, one, or two pips on. their six sided dice, but there's special dice that just only have. Um, so there's a lot of chance and a lot of unpredictability. But somehow the design of the game accounts for that and and makes you always feel like the the game has ideas. It, it has it it knows where it's taking you. And there are so many incredible revelations and things you didn't see coming and awesome moments that are just created from the pure game mechanics. And we all were saying, you know, we played, I think we played seven, we played seven uh, episodes and it really felt like we played seven different games. Um, and even though it was seven different games without having to learn the rules for seven games, it mm-hmm. it, it it was so different each time and yet familiar enough because it was the same rule set. You were still playing the same game, but it was so, every scenario was completely different. It kept adding new stuff. It, is, it was just, and, and I've played legacy games before, and there's a lot of games in this style. It's become very popular at tabletop, this legacy notion. Um, but very few of them support five players, and I, I haven't played any that has been, Th- 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 has reached this height and I, I mean i'm excited to play more of them but and and uh, admittedly it's a daunting prospect to say oh we're going to do seven or 13 uh games with the same group but if you can swing it i cannot recommend betrayal legacy higher it is a towering achievement of game design in my opinion
2: i love i, I have to
1: oh go ahead christian I, was, I just love the idea of you all looking for airbnbs and being like nice pool <laughs> awesome bet. Kitchen table. This is the one.
0: (laughs) How many chairs Uh, around your, how many chairs do you have?
2: You're ordering extra ones from Ikea to be delivered. So you're spending the first day putting together additional chairs.
0: (laughs) We were literally, we literally had conversations of like, Hey, do you guys want to go out to dinner? Or like, if we stayed in, if we ordered in, you know, it was that, it was that
2: I, uh, um, I have to ask because I started Googling this while you were talking about it. And so skip ahead, mute your headphones. And you don't have to say anything more about this if it's going to say too much about how it works. But when you said you are taking cards out, then I looked it up on boardgamegeek.com and there is a screenshot of a literal torn card in which someone wrote below, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in a board game was actually destroy a card. And so if it is not too much to explain or if you feel like... I'm I, I'm just sort of shocked to see that that is actually a thing that you would do in this game that you would it's, actually physically destroy a card. I find that really fascinating.
0: Yes, it, I mean that's part of the the legacy concept. Is okay. So, so that's yes.
2: not spoiling anything. No, bro- no, broadly. not, not okay. spoiling anything. So it's All more. Right. It's
0: even more than that. It's it's it asks you to write with a pen on things. You know, you're wow. you are creating this. It's a
2: one and done. Like th- this experience is this box as opposed to most board games were like, hey, you can do this again and it's repeatable. This is like an experience you were having once and then well, you're done
0: Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, the experience of moving through it, you are creating your own story. And there are a number of times where it's like, look through the deck, find these, find cards that you haven't used at all, destroy them. <laughs> they are not part of your story. Like whatever happened the like chain of events you didn't do this. Tear it up. They're not part of your story. <laughs> wow. It's like, oh, that's so hard. It's so hard. But the 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 yes and no part is that it is designed to be a a, a regular board game. At the end, that you can pull out and, and just play one session of. Same with Pandemic Legacy. Pandemic Legacy, literally, like people would on Board Game Geek would would post pictures of their final board and show how different their final board was from everybody else's but it ends up being like a board that you can play pandemic on if you want it's just your board that has weird things that oh so that's just the, the
2: legacy part of it it's like this is the singular one-off sort yes. of campaign and then you end up with a okay that is yes a, that's a but really fascinating concept
0: it's so cool man and and yeah it's really hard to destroy something especially when it's like we didn't even read it we don't even know what's on it or you know or like take a pen there are there are cards where it's like every time you 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 encounter this card put a check mark on it if there's three check marks destroy it it's done <laughs> it's like oh oh what cra- yeah all that stuff and then but then there's like new stuff coming into the game all the time there are you know there are like um envelopes that say like do not open you know like it's it's, it's full of wonderful tactile surprises like that it's so good
1: one of those cards told patrick how to dodge
0: in callisto protocol and just uh, <laughs> yeah you don't damn. tear it up you know you don't need it so another i want to mention another board game real quick uh because it is kind of the new hotness this you know betrayal legacy came out several years ago i i, I got it for christmas i i asked for it for christmas maybe for before covid before covid when i was still playing board games and it's been sitting in shrink wrap i'm like there's going to be a weekend <laughs> and it finally happened. So it, it, it's old, but there is a, a newer hotness I'm not super new, but like in the last couple of years, uh, a party game that I'd heard really great uh, reviews of really people have been talking about. And I finally bought it. It's called so clover, so clover, like a four leaf clover. And man, this game is great too. It's phenomenal. Totally lived up to the hype. It feels like, I don't know if you guys have played code names, Christian, I think you have played code names. Codenames is yep. a great party game. Great, 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 great party game. Kind of took over. It's like in Target, you know. It's like huge, big n- marquee party game. Deserving of all that hype. But Codenames is, is a game where you, like, try to get people to guess uh, as many cards on the board for your team using the fewest number of clues. Mm-hmm. And it's great, but it requires a, you know, two teams and there's winners and losers. And I have found in my experience of of, of being a lover of board games and trying to get more people to play them that oftentimes in a party setting, we're like, Hey, well, let's play a board game. A lot of people like, don't just don't want to have the winners and losers thing. They're like, don't, they like do not they do not want to play if there's going to be somebody who's sad if it's them or somebody else, they don't want winners and losers. And so many board games involve that. So, so Clover fills this perfect gap because it is that rarest of things a cooperative party game. Here's how it works. You play, everybody gets this four leaf clover uh, board, this disc uh, and these four sided, these squares where uh, each square has uh, words on each side. And you put the four squares of four words on your four leaf clover in a little grid pattern. So you have sides of each of the four leaf clovers that has two words. Does that make sense? Is that mm-hmm. Can you see that in your head? Mm-hmm. So you've got these two disparate words that oftentimes don't have anything to do with each other. And your job is to write a word with a little pen that's included. You write a clue to get people to... constitute your board your board is made up of those squares in a very specific pattern matching those words on each side and you have four clues one word clues one for each side that's trying to clue in people on that pair of words for each side then you give them your board when it's your turn You give everybody else who's playing your board, which just has the four clue words that you wrote and your loose square tiles, and they have to try to constitute the board correctly, meaning line up each of those pairs of words on each of the sides. So it becomes this puzzle of, like, (laughs) mind-melding. Like, what, what were they thinking and it is so much fun. It is such a delight. It is a delight both when you are playing, in that you're trying to figure out how, which word. Ooh, that. Ooh, does does metal mean knife and song? Uh, knife and song. <laughs> that could both. That could be metal. You know, like um. So, you, and it's also a delight. When you're, you're the one who wrote the thing and you're just watching everybody <laughs> be horribly wrong all the time, you know? And you're just sitting there like giggling to yourself about how wrong they are about what they're doing. It is so much fun. We had such a blast playing that. Uh, so that's so Clover and Betrayal Legacy, two board games I could not recommend higher.
2: I'm going to buy, I'm at least going to buy this. I don't know when I would do Betrayal Legacy, but I do know plenty of times that I would do so clover so i I am definitely gonna pick this one i mean
0: it's a great one if you're looking for something for the holidays you're getting together with family right that's what i'm thinking yes yeah so so good and i think it's like 20 bucks it's it's real small box inexpensive easy you people get it right away it's it's really really fun uh christian did you want to bring up your board game
1: we can talk about it's been on there for a while jeff uh, i know we haven't, been, we we haven't
0: done the, no. the tabletop though.
1: we can we can table it uh we can table you it for another i will say what i will say i won't talk about the game that i have on here uh the code names party game board game sucks it's oh the board game oh, not original? code names not code names, sorry wordle wordle my god code names is awesome wordle the wordle
0: oh party you tried game. it not good
1: man we uh My wife loves it. Her She's like a friend group. They text each other every day. They still, they Wordle every day. The game came out. It was like all the chatter. Oh, they're making a party game. I wonder how they're going to do it. How do they do it? It sucks. It's just Wordle. You just play by yourself next to somebody and go, I got it. It's real bad. Yeah. (laughs) Oftentimes
0: those like adaptation board games are, I'm like, they're they're doing a Slay the Spire board game and I'm so nervous that it's not going to be good. You know, I really want it to be great because I love Slay the Spire, but I haven't tried it. Um, all right, well, that's uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, we do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Patrick Kleppick, it's always awesome chatting with you. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Where can folks keep up with you and all the things that you do online?
2: Uh, they can follow me over at uh, Waypoint, waypoint.vice.com. We have a twice-weekly podcast called Waypoint Radio. If you like the stuff that we do, much like you, uh, if you're listening to this, I imagine you're supporting... Uh, Jeff and Christian uh, over at Patreon. We have a thing called Waypoint Plus. We're uh, at waypointplus.com. You get access to episodes early, or uh, if you don't want to hear those, you don't want to hear me do similar to ad reads to like Jeff is doing, then you don't have <laughs> to, and you just go to waypointplus.com. Uh, we recently, uh, my colleague Rob Zachney and I finally uh, took our uh, private messages, which was us just talking about sports all the time and just actually started talking about sports under the – the assumption that there are probably a decent number of people that even though you think people who are super into video games, aren't also watching a lot of uh, sports games. Uh, and uh, we're kind of testing that out. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun the last couple of months uh, tracking the ups and downs. Most of the downs of the Chicago bears, while also talking about things like the world cup and uh, MLB. So uh, yeah, check everything out over at uh, waypoint.vice.com.
0: Fantastic. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week?
1: Hey, I released that newsletter, Jeff. I did it. I finished it.
0: You did it. And in time I, for you to work on the next one.
1: I It never stops. Uh, so I do. Yeah. I write a long-form conversational, casual-style uh, long-form newsletter about video games that folks can, can subscribe to for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. This last one was about growing up with video games and kind of the idea of like from Pac-Man to Grand Theft Auto how games changed, and then looking at that next 20 odd year gap of like how they've changed and what it meant to be changing with them. Um, it was a fun it was a fun thought exercise and the response I've got from it so far has been great. So f- folks have been digging that. And then I've also relaunched my website, which you can find at christianspicer.com. It has a blog. Uh, I'll be doing micro blogging there. Oftentimes there are games that come out. The embargo comes up on between when we do these shows. And so that is a place where I will post that stuff as well. And you can find that,
0: um, find that stuff all there. Very cool. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter for as long as that still is a thing. <laughs> uh, I'm at Jeff. Can is the two ends and one T, uh, you can email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And I have other podcasts. If you want to check them out, uh, the film cast, you can get that wherever you get podcasts, Uh, We talk about movies and TV shows. It's good fun. Uh, And um, We Have Concerns is a comedy science show. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And I also talk uh, some sports for fan-controlled football, fan-controlled hoops. Uh, You can find that uh, fan-controlled show at twitch.tv slash fan-controlled sports. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: I do. Um, You know, uh, there was a period in my life where uh, my wife and I would watch 31 horror films during the month of October. That doesn't exist. We now try and get through five or six over the course of the month. Uh, One that we didn't get to in October, but I I cannot recommend highly enough as we've done some cleanup. Um, I believe this one is on Shudder. It's called Deadstream. Uh, Deadstream is a uh, movie about a canceled YouTuber who uh, is a part of sort of like the. Uh, what would you call it? Like kind of stunt culture on YouTube mm. where like the ever escalating do something, you know, uh, in public yeah. in an in an escalating fashion. I won't spoil what this person does. It is something particularly egregious. Um, And they go through the whole apology video and then a stunt to kind of get back in people's good graces after a while. It does a, a really excellent job of satirizing like that, like now very common cultural trope uh that we are all pretty familiar with even if you're not spending a lot of time watching channels uh like that um and the, the whole bit is his youtube channel was built around uh like i'm gonna go do things that make me scared and then you're gonna watch me overcome them and that you know, it's, you know could be something like a heartwarming and of course it is it is not and but the one he's trying to do to really capture people's imaginations again and trying to get past the post cancellation uh is that uh he is is scared of ghosts and so he has looked up uh this like most haunted of haunted houses and he is going to set up a bunch of cameras and see what happens it's sort of a combination of uh like found footage uh and like sort of traditional stuff and it's both really scary and really funny um it's an effective really effective use of practical effects it has a strong uh like, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 vibe, where, like, it is running the line between a lot of that early and, like, best Sam Raimi stuff um, in which it is, and on one hand, is going to make you scream out of your seat, and on the other hand, have you, like, cackling in your seat, and that's, like, a really difficult energy to pull off in a film, um, and also, I think, does a good job of, even if you're not really a horror person, like, if you can have a layer of comedy that is under, like, kind of, like, mixing up those moments where there's a lot of tension, um, and, and Deadstream did a a really tremendous job of bouncing through the two so i cannot recommend it uh more highly
0: awesome i mean I, I would never have guessed that of all the streaming services that were sort of like genre specific that shutter would be the one that i'm most impressed with I, yeah,
2: I, I, and owned by I, comcast of all things uh, I, I try, I I, I try not to coming. remember <laughs> <laughs> try not to remember that every time i pay for my annual <laughs> subscription is like right. wait I'm constantly trying to run away from Comcast, and instead, I'm like, <laughs> "What I really need to do is give my money to Comcast to support the Shutter <laughs> Service." But they—they they do an unbelievable. They've done a a really great job. Of they're great curators, and um, uh, you know, I even as someone like myself that spends a lot of time, I think, I, if I'm not thinking about video games, I'm, uh, you know, putting mental space towards horror. It's like a big thing my wife and I share um, a common interest in and as much as i feel like i know the space then i log into shutter i'm like i don't which i'm sure is like how i feel about like i feel like i'm that for video games like i i can get as deep as i can like i am that deep but then i yeah. log into shutter and um uh you know i just find something new so this is just my plea Shutter, please just just you know, gift me a subscription. You know, like take me out of this. Go. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, they I don't can. need you do anymore. But Comcast, Comcast
1: <laughs> is the killer, Patrick. Comcast, oh, true, is the call in the house.
0: They'll it's be true. at your house between four and seven. If they're not there, <laughs> just wait longer. Uh, <laughs> Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift?
1: Also, a movie. We got in, you know, the holiday spirit, and I was looking for those fun kids movies, and um, we. I showed the children, uh, the children, my children, the children. I was like,
2: gather around young one. That's a, that's a movie on Shutter, actually. It's called.
0: Children. <laughs> Creepy guy gives the shows the children. That's yeah, the we, gather around children.
1: <laughs> but it's funny too, uh, which is a good part. You know, it really brings the humor into how this guy murders them all. Um, I, I showed my kids the 1994 Tim Allen The Santa Claus film. Mm-hmm. And it's always a fine line of me thinking, "You know what? I thought this was a funny uh holiday movie when I was a kid, like, does it hold up like is is it man, separate the art from the artist because I think Tim Allen he's not the worst, but you know he's he said <laughs> he's some not stuff good like, either. <laughs> he said some stuff i I don't love, um but not certainly not the worst uh <laughs> man, they loved this film. You guys, they wasn't
0: well, there like a series now too? Like, there's there more. A, of the, more There's s- a
1: series. They made sequels yeah. to the movies, but I think yeah. currently on Disney Plus, there's like, oh, like, oh, let's watch the new one. Like a new one. Tim yeah. Allen's not in it, but it's like it's like a like weekly. Them. And I was like, maybe he is. I don't know. It's like a new. No, maybe he's he no,
2: he's he's definitely in it. He's he's yeah. definitely oh. like he, he's he definitely now. the okay. star. And there oh, is really? definitely like an yeah. There's definitely like an earl. You you can feel tim allen who he is now a little bit on the pulse of it there's like definitely like a a cancel culture joke that you have to imagine is like oh they didn't they didn't want this in here but like what are you gonna do tim's here i mean it's fine it's fine it's very if you you liked the movies i only saw the first two i never saw the third one um but if they if they like the tv show or the the movies my guess is they will get a huge kick out of out yeah
1: of the my, well. my mental gymnastics to show the original one is like 94. Tim Allen was a different Tim Allen than today, Tim Allen. And then the thumbnail they showed me. The thumb- <laughs> yeah. Cause our awareness of, of who Tim Allen was, sure. uh, the, the thumbnail, the, the thumbnail that Disney plus surfaced of me must've known. Cause Tim Allen was not in my thumbnail. Like, you know, like the <laughs> carousel of things, but they love, they loved the movie. And what I loved about it was the time travel back because like maybe this cancel culture jerk joke. Tim Allen also had jokes in the 94, the Santa Claus that are like, quote unquote, for the adults. where he does like his like, hur, 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 he like picks up a tool belt and puts <laughs> oh, it around. Wow. Him Wait, really and like Winks. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, get it parents. Cause I'm the guy from that other, there's like <laughs> yeah. three or four you of them. You know me,
0: you know what I do. <laughs> I'm surprised that that uh, Buzz Lightyear never did that at any point, you know?
1: But <laughs> I did. The other one I debated and I looked up before, because I do a little bit of research before I set things up for the kids. I was like, I wonder if uh, uh, Christmas Vacation is a kid... Appro- not... Nope. It's not. Not not for my kids. Ow. Not kid-appropriate. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. Nope. So we did Tim Allen instead.
2: Also not right.
0: appropriate. <laughs>
2: Well, you can have that conversation when they're older. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but uh nipply out uh, nippy out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Um so Christian is right, it, it is the holiday season. And I uh I recently uh, on the on the aforementioned Twitters, I uh I was bemoaning the fact that I have gotten to the age, i.e. old, where uh when someone asks me what I want for Christmas, i.e. my family, uh I it, it feels a like a, game a, a stress- weekend with the bros. Yeah, well, that's that's the truth. <laughs> but but it it becomes stressful. It's stressful. It's not an exciting. It's not like oh, I get to make my list. It, it's stressful. I don't know what I want. I don't want anything. Don't give me anything. I don't need anything. Just if, don't worry about it. And then I got to think, which is true. But then I got to thinking, like it's an opportunity. So I would like to use my. Tis the holiday season. If you're thinking about, if you're in the similar position. That I am in. I would like to humbly submit the potential. If you're looking for something to put on your Christmas list, maybe ask your family for subscribing to a Patreon for a couple of months in your name or have you, you know, for you. Because I think that's what I'm going to do. Some of my favorite creators, Waypoint Plus would be a great option. Some of my favorite creators, I, I think it would be awesome to have. As gifts for me, like, I get bonus content from some of my favorite creators. So if you are looking for a gift to ask your parent or ask your family for, uh, why not? You know, DLC would be great. Waypoint Plus would be great. But I'm sure there's a number of creators that all have Patreons that maybe you don't get yourself to Patreon to actually support. But you could ask for that as a gift for Christmas. Have a couple of months— uh, of, of bonus content, I think that would be a wonderful way to support us, to support any other creators that you uh, you like, and maybe uh, take some of that stress away of, of not knowing what to ask for for Christmas or the holidays. That's my parting gift. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This uh, was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Adam S. from Charlotte, North Carolina. Adam talking about something that uh, I've been meaning to try. haven't gotten around to it yet. Adam Adam says, "Uh, hey, uh, this may already be in your playlist, Jeff, but I have to spend some time raving about Half-Life Alex Levitation, the new four to six hour campaign comprised of community created workshop levels by Modder FMP1. Steam workshop page is where you get it. Uh, This campaign should be an officially released expansion by Valve. I can't believe it isn't. It's just that good. The level design, challenging combat, fantastic voice acting, top to bottom. This is everything I would want in a direct sequel to Half Life Alex. I'm not sure who voices Alex and Russell in Levitation, but somehow FMP1 got actors that sound exactly like the actors that did the original voices. Even Levitation's G Man sounds just like Mike Shapiro, Half Life's original G Man. If anyone else is like me and built a beastly PC, then plunked down a cool grand for a Valve Index just to play Half-Life Alex Playing it several times and, and, or played it several times and have been chomping at the bit for a sequel? Levitation is an absolute must play. I doubt Valve themselves could have done better than what FMP1 has accomplished with this free add-on. It's the absolute highest quality. Cheers, and thanks for many years of top-tier gaming content. Thank you, Adam S. This, I have downloaded it, it's on my hard drive. I'm ready. I just haven't I haven't tried it yet. I'm so excited to try a levitation. I've heard only good things. so uh, thank you for this parting gift. It is. It is going to motivate me to give it a shot. so uh, hopefully others as well. If you would like your parting gift right on our show, send it to us. dLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Patrick Klepek and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those bumpers that we all heard during the recording of this show. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to our patrons for making this show possible. Specifically, our top-tier patrons, our Hype Train patrons gets the, get their names read out at the end of every episode, and Christian is going to do that right now.
1: It's the holiday season, and it's time to thank uh, the Hype Train patrons, like a Scott a Lambert, and a Churiken, and a comedian, Aaron Train and a Curtis from um, Louisville with Relentless Rex and a Mike. Gilles and a Kyle Star and a Riley Knox and a Rob Ricksman, I cannot keep that going. You, you no one yeah. Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Victor Venezuela with the Matt Bradley. I'm just gonna get into it sometimes. Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Scott Hughes, Jenny and a, 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 just adding syllables to names. A Zachary White da, 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 Yank Soren Silk, Travis, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, now I just see it. Josh Shepika, Taylor Weaker, Jason Novak with the holland. Octavian Ratziu. Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg. What's more annoying? i doing this, so the Spiceman, yeah. Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, Spiceman Silencer, Albert for Dios. Jonathan, the Spice forever B-ber, I'm adding syllables. Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, and the Mark Golden. <laughs> oh, this is entertaining me probably way more than it is any of you. Jonathan Putney, Will with one L, Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulas, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Cisco, David App, Hyperboy66 and Brian, you're Dan. Da, 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 da. Thank you for supporting the show and making
0: it possible. We really, appreciate. we really, uh, so <laughs> oh, <that's the> worst. <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.